All right. I am so excited to be here this morning for a bunch of different reasons. Uh, one of those reasons is uh, your Bible talks about the evidence of God's goodness being all around, all over our lives. There's so much of the evidence of God's goodness that is in this room. Uh, I was looking at my boys and my wife, and as, as Ryan was talking, you know, my wife is a product of a second marriage. And if he wouldn't have been so bad, like, man, I, it's so easy to look good these days, you know, just by matter of comparison. I see the evidence of God's goodness all over my life with our friendships. Uh, we met Brandon through uh, Brandon's family through a tough situation. And the beautiful things that have spawned out of that, like you would never even imagine. I had an old pastor friend of mine. He would tell me all the time, like, God's the only one who can hit a bullseye with a crooked stick. Like, God knows how to get us there. It's so cool. But there are those moments in life where, you know, we have stuff that hits us. And so we want to send our love out to Pastor Dave. And we want to do that in a very tangible way. So we're going to pray for Pastor Dave really quick. Uh, I ask you to join me in prayer. If you are some of my peoples and you can open your mouth and to speak it and say it, then I actually encourage you to do that. Uh, because the only thing better than one person praying is a whole bunch of people praying in unison because you believe that the words that you say matter. You believe that our God hears. You believe that everything that you say has an opportunity to touch the very kingdom of God and that that kingdom has the power to move from way up there and to come down here and impact our situations. And that's the hope and the power and the faith that we stand on. Or else why pray? Why open my mouth if I don't believe that our God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ever hope, ask, imagine, dream, or any other adjective that you want to throw on with that? Amen? Amen? Amen. 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 Okay. I need everybody to be a good Baptist today. So when I say amen, I need an amen back. Amen. 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 There we go. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you are and there is none beside you. Father, we thank you that you sent us, Dave. We thank you that you have equipped him with everything that he needs to be able to shepherd us well. God, we thank you that you are the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. You are the Alpha and the Omega, that you are he who was and he who is and he who is to come. God, we thank you that your word is true true and that we can stand on the truth of your word knowing that every single thing that you have said God that we can hold to those things that we are bound by those things that we can stand encouraged on the words of the living God because you are and there is none besides you God we thank you that your words cannot return to you void and so God when your word says that there's healing in the name of Jesus when it says that there's power in the name of Jesus when it says that there's life in the name of Jesus when it says that there's restoration and reconciliation in the name name of Jesus. Father, we can stand on that word with joy and with power because we believe that you are and that your words cannot fail. And so, Father, we send our love right now today. Father, we thank you that the Spirit of God is in him right now, that the Spirit of God is working, that the Spirit of God equips him to walk in power and love and joy and a sound mind through the midst of any situation, God. That's a benefit of your kingdom. And so we send our love to him. We send our, our, our our, our encouragement to him. And God, I pray that everything that's supposed to happen through this season, that it happens exactly as you have deemed it to happen. We pray that if he is separated, that it's for a period of rest, that he comes back on fire for the kingdom of God, that he comes back encouraged with the word of God, and that he comes back to do everything that you've called him to do, because we believe that all things work together for the good, for those that love you and are called according to your purposes. All things work together for the good. All things work together for the good. That's the mountaintops and the valleys. God, we stand and love you in the midst of both of them. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Y'all ready to get in this word today? Yeah. 
Amen. See, that's what I'm talking about. All right. So there is a lot that Pastor Dave has been talking about, and we're going to piggyback off of that. And here's my objective. I'm going to tell you up front. I'm not even going to, I'm not a shysty businessman, okay? You know, those shysty businessmen, they come and they try to hide the fine print of the contract. Okay, I'm not going to hide the fine print. My objective today, I'm throwing it out here up front, is number one, to stay on this carpet because Dave, it told me, stay on this carpet because David has seen me preach before and I'm liable to be over there sitting on Peter's lap talking about the goodness of God. (laughs) So I have to stay on this carpet and then my wife is giving me objective number two. Objective number two is let these people go home. Because the other thing that she knows about me is that when I start talking about the Word of God, I get excited because I get excited about the goodness of the Word of God. I get excited about the power in the Word of God. I get excited because this book is full of possibilities that aren't limited by science. They aren't limited by philosophy. They aren't limited by anything other than our ability to stand on them and to believe in it. And that gives me some encouragement because we have something that the world doesn't have. We have something that the world can't grasp. We can walk through the valley of the shadow of death. David wasn't even running. He wasn't skipping. He he said there was a peace to walk through the valley. But why? Because the word said that God was with him. And not only was God with him, but he had a rod and a staff and something about those two. He said, they bring me comfort. So I'm just going to walk through this thing because I believe in what the word says. See, the world doesn't have that. When they go through things, they have to hold on to psychology. They got to hold on to self-help videos. They have to hold on to all of these other things that aren't bad in and of themselves, but they lack the power of eternity. They lack the power of the kingdom. They lack the power to be able to not just give you behavior modification, but we've got something greater. We have behavior transformation. See, we don't come out on the other side modified. We come out on the other side something brand new. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's get it. So Pastor David's been talking about this concept, and this is huge. Seed, time, and harvest. And seed, time, and harvest is everywhere. And the Bible is full of principles like this, principles that apply to every aspect of our life. And in Genesis 8, 21, God says that as long as the earth remains, is the earth still here? Okay, all of this stuff qualifies. As long as the earth remains, there's going to be planting. There's going to be harvest. There's going to be cold. There's going to be heat. There's going to be summer and winter, day and night. And those are principles. See, life is going to have these moments where you have summer. Summer is a time of prosperity. Summer is a time where things grow easily. Summer is a time like I just spread a little water and stuff just starts coming all up out of the ground, right? Anybody who's ever done gardening knows this. Sometimes it's not stuff you want. It might be a weed or something, but it grows because it's summer and life has summers. It's a principle. It's times where it seems like you can just throw a rock and hit success in any direction. Everything you do brings you joy. There's literally a psychology. They do the study of the human body, and they say 10 minutes of sunlight in the morning, it knocks depression out. Summer's a sunny time in life. The clouds aren't covering everything. It's a principle. We sow in the summer. But what does wisdom do? When we look at this sowing and reaping, wisdom says what? Summers don't last forever right? So we enjoy them while they're here, but we don't get depressed when the moment comes where they start to move away because we understand there's a blessing in summer being temporary because that means winter's temporary too. Those moments where it seems like nothing's happening and nothing's growing and nothing's coming to be. Like I'm old. I look young. I look young. I was telling them in the pre-devotion, like I look young. 
mainly because of the dye that I wear. I was getting it this weekend, getting the beard all ready for the camera, right? I'm not ready for the grays. I'm not ready for the grays. Tokes, I'm not ready. I'm going to join you one day. I'm going to join. You said you neither. Hey, I'm just not ready, you know? And I thank God for science. I'm going to rock this science till the wheels fall off, you know? Prayerfully, one day I'll be able to pay somebody to come over and just make sure that I still look young. My children told me, I work as a, I'm a director of an after-school ministry, and my children told me, they were like, you know what? Because uh, we'll have these seasons where I, I'll, I won't die for a while because in this die, because one of the reasons I wear the beard, secret, don't tell anybody else other than the internet people. One of the reasons I wear this beard is because when I cut it, the grays grow immediately in. But with thick black beards, so here's what I learned about hair. Like when you dye the outside, it just pushes the dark hairs outward and the grays are hidden behind. Look at Anthony. Come on, baby. Come on. You know what I'm talking about, right? So this gives me a little bit of laziness and longevity, right? These are, my face is in a winter. <laughs> it's summer's not coming back for these hairs, right? Life is cyclical. Life is built on principles. Life is built on ideas. And we take these ideas and you don't realize it, but we found everything on them. You are responding to ideas right now that you have no idea about in your psyche. Ideas that decide how you think. Ideas that decide how you move. Ideas that decide how do I react to this situation when it comes. Ideas that determine who and what kinds of outcomes we're going to reap. Why? Because the greatest sowing and the greatest reaping occurs with the ideas that we allow to be planted within us. It's more powerful than any crop put in the ground. It's more powerful than anything that yields. It's more powerful than a 401k in the best part of the market, in the best season of the market's history. The ideas that are put in your head will impact the life that you live and the way that you choose more than anything. It's everything to who we become. See, it's an idea that means whenever opposition comes against me and my Lord says that greater is he that's in me than he who is in the world. That's an idea that we adopt. And that idea determines how are you going to respond when life hits you? Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until you get hit in the face, right? And if you've never been hit in the face, just take my word for it. It's true. It's true. Ideas. What ideas are you living by right now that's affecting what you're receiving in life? What ideas? It's an idea in entrepreneurship that whenever life hits me in my business, because I know there's summers and witness, winters, I don't quit. I say, oh, it's a winter. What are we going to do? We buckle down. What are we going to do? Well, the wisdom teaches me during the summer. I saved up. We kept it. Why? Because we knew winter was coming. See, that's an idea of the principle of the kingdom. So when the winter gets here, I'm not caught off guard. I don't have to get shaky. We say, this too shall pass. There it is. It's an idea. And it determines everything. And the whole world is held up by ideas. Does anybody like to travel? There we go. Up, up. Uh, okay. Does anybody like to travel? We'll try that again. Yes, yes, absolutely. Me and my wife, my wife, that's her, that's her love language. It's not identified in the seven love languages, but I promise you it's a real thing. Her love language is travel and travel specifically to beached areas. 
areas that have a beach, and not just any kind of beach. The sand needs to be white. The water needs to fade from the light blue to the turquoise all the way to the dark blue, right? I'm checking boxes. Somebody else's love language in here right now? Absolutely. So that is my wife's love language. And we were doing some traveling, and it's really, really interesting because the ideas that people live by across the world, it determines everything about the experience that you have. When we were in Italy, Italy is a crazy place. I'm so serious. Y'all remember the video game Hopper with the frog and you're trying to get across the road? Frogger. Frogger, there it is. Italy had to have invented that game. In Italy, there's no such thing as stopping for people as they walk across the street. If you don't step in front of a moving car, they will not stop. They will. It was the craziest stuff. My wife, I said, just close your eyes, baby, and hold on. We're going to go for it. (laughs) And I'm dragging her through the streets. Why? Because the ideas that they live by, they value boldness. They value that authoritative push. And if you're bold enough to step out in front of my car, then I'm kind enough to stop. But if you're not, hey, the language was different. You know, in the United States, we make accommodations for everybody. I'm sitting here on Google Translate everywhere I go when I'm trying to do service, and I'm French and German and all this kind of... Man, when we got into Italy, the the airport was nice, but when we got in that Uber driver, like, uh, all bets were off. You better translate your way to a tip, buddy, (laughs) because it's different there. The ideas that they live by, they produce a different interaction with the country. When we went to Africa, it was so different. Italy, fast pace, moving, boldness, jump in front of a car. Yes, we'll stop. Africa, hey, lay back. Plans, you Americans, plans, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. This is Africa, right, Brandon? This is Africa. In Africa, they drive on the left side of the road, and you don't sit on the right side of the car. The steering wheels are on the left side of the car. We were in a car with my buddy Brandon, and Lord, we almost saw the Lord on multiple occasions. (laughs) On one particular night, we're driving this true story. And I'm going to tell it, Brandon, because you're here and I love you. True story. We're driving. And like we had already had like four or five like really close moments. You know it's bad when I start playing in my phone. Like I don't even want to look at this point. It's just like, yeah, though I walked. You're quoting all kind of scriptures from memory verses. Scriptures don't even have to align. In the beginning, God created the heaven and there. Like it doesn't even have, we don't even need context at this point. We're just like anything that God said, we're going to say it. Why? Because I ain't got nothing else at this point. Like I'm holding on. It's not the specific rhema of God. I'll take any logos anywhere at this point. And we're coming and we're driving. And we hear Brandon say, is that, the, is that the entrance point? And my wife, you know, she's got that, the, the rest handle holding, you know, and every vein is, yes, it was that kind of moment. And we're driving and we're headed towards a gas station. And then all of a sudden we realize that where we're going, there's no entry driveway. And at this point, I hear Brandon say, it's too late now, we're committed. I'm like, wait, a minute, what does that mean? <laughs> wait, what does that mean? <laughs> what is that? What does that even mean? <laughs> no, you can't say that in a car. Not moving at these speeds. No, that's not going to work, brother. I'm telling you, we go straight over the curb. And it, wasn't, it couldn't have been just a regular curb with a nice little grab. It's the part with the rocks <laughs> for the decorations. Boy, those Africans laughed as they watched us come all the way across that curve, all the way up, because it's different there. The ideas that they live by, it produces a difference in every area of life. The languages are different. Can anybody read that? 
Me neither. And have no plan in my lifetime of learning how to. As long as Google Translate survives, <laughs> I'm not worried about it. But what I know is when I go there, they're not changing their language for me. They're not modifying their lifestyle for me. They're not changing the way that they do things for me. I'm going to have to accommodate to the culture of the place that is founded on the ideas that they have chosen to live by. They have different things that they consume when they get there. The consumption is different. The consumption is different. There we go. <laughs> How got it? Because I'm sitting here clicking. I'm like, hey, in the name of Jesus, I need this thing to work. They eat different stuff, right? When we went over to Italy, we were told the lie that they had the best pizza in the world. Yes, I was so dis... I got... Look, I told her, I can't wait to get back to Marco's. Marco's, shameless plug and advertisement for your services. Marco's was off the chain compared to... And we tried multiple different places. We were eating it because I kept saying, I felt like that B in the B movie that kept flying into the window. We was like, maybe this time, maybe this time, maybe this... That's how my pizza experience was. Maybe this time, no, not that. Maybe this, no. I mean, it was okay. But maybe we just hyped it up too much. But what they consumed was different. The channels on the TV were different. The way that they set their apartments up, everything was small. It's different because the ideas that they live by and the culture that they produce, the way that they dressed was different. Their culture produced an exterior that was different. The customs that they had were different. Everything was different. And so this brought me to a place to where I realized that every nation, Peter, let me say every nation, has its own distinct way of doing life. Every nation. And so then that got me thinking about this guy called Abraham. So God comes to Abraham and I want you to look very closely at what God promised Abraham, because you and I are grafted into the blessing of Abraham. We're grafted into the blessing of Abraham. And God comes to Abraham and he says, now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, leave your culture, leave your ideas, leave your family, leave your kindred, leave your land, leave everything that is common to you, leave your understandings, leave everything that is common for you. And I want you to go and I'm going to make you a great nation. Uh-oh. What is a nation? A nation is a large group of people and they are united around a common history, culture, language, and the encyclopedia said all this halos underneath a common government. Now, I want you to grasp the power of what God said that he was doing in the earth. He didn't say he was making a religion. He didn't say he was making a weekly gathering. He said, what I'm going to make you, you're going to take my culture my language, and my governance, and you are going to feel and impact the whole earth. You will be my nation. <laughs> Amen, Paul. Amen. Hey, I felt the same way. I was like, what? Like my Bible says, what? I'm going to be a great what, God? A great nation? Okay. Okay. What does that even mean? <laughs> 
And not only that, God told this nation that he was going to bless them for one purpose, so that they could literally be a blessing to all the other nations. So the blessing that God seated us with, it wasn't just for us. It would literally spread to all peoples and all colors and all peoples and stranded places. And God said that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, that we would stay submitted to him. And underneath that submission, we would be able to spread. And not only that, God tells this nation, look, when you go out into this world, you have to be careful. I'm making you something distinct, something special, something different, but you have to be careful. Think about the God of creation, the God that created time, space, matter, Jupiter, the sun, the planets that are so diverse that we sit and we marvel at them. Science is explaining something new every single week. That God looked at us and said, whatever I'm about to send you into, you have to be careful. He said, this is your wisdom, the word. This is your wisdom, the word. This is your wisdom, the Bible. This is your wisdom, everything that he spoke. This is your wisdom. And when you go out into this great nation, they're going to look at you. The other nations are going to look at you. And they're going to say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people based on what? Our obedience to the word of God. The word was the dividing line. It was the thing that separated us. It was the thing that made us different. He said, they're going to look at how obedient you are to this book. And their interpretation of it is going to be, oh my goodness, they are wise. And they're going to say, think about evangelism. They're going to say, think about how we evangelize. They're going to say, for what great nation is there that has a God so near to it? What great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments and in all this law? He said, they're going to look at the way that y'all live and it will be evangelism. They're going to look at the way that we love and it will be evangelism. They're going to look at the way that we forgive and it will be evangelism. Our obedience to the word would be the line of demarcation. I messed that word all the way up, but it's okay. Because I did it with the right emphasis on the right syllable, as my mentor in Christ would say, right? (laughs) If you're going to say it wrong, do it with passion. (laughs) You will be my nation. God's plan, God's idea was government and culture. That he would rule and reign over us. And that the culture of heaven, through his governance, would manifest in the earth, and all the other nations would look at it, and they would come running after God because of it. So when Jesus shows up thousands of years later, it was no surprise to the Jews whenever Jesus came proclaiming the good news that God's kingdom was here. See, when I was growing up, I was told that Jesus was the good news. That was it that the good news is that Jesus basically saves me from hell. I was told that, 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 that Jesus' death and the sacrifice and the cross, that that's what it's all about, and we just got to get people to the foot of the cross, and none of those things are bad, but they're just not complete. They're just not complete. Jesus, over and over again, Paul continues this, and if you ever want to do a Bible study, I've got about 70 scriptures we can go through. 
where over and over again, the whole book of the Bible, I wrote a book on this called The Kingdom of God, Shameless Plug, the only gospel that Jesus Christ preached. And from Genesis to Revelations, the book is founded on one message. The kingdom of God is the best thing for us on this earth. When we submit to God's governance, it's the only place that humanity can have harmony. I go down to Mission Arlington, I evangelize down there, and it's so easy to talk to people about the kingdom. Do you realize nobody comes to the United States for Biden? Just think about it. You really think they're getting on those boats to go across from Africa, risking their death, so they can come say hi to Biden? He's going to be gone in a couple years. Or Trump or anybody else for that matter. It doesn't matter who he is. Why do they come here? Why do they risk their life? Why do they risk their safety? Why do they risk their security? Why do they risk their future? For the pursuit of happiness and the, and the life, liberty, and the, all of the benefits that the country, they'll die to get here because of the benefits of the country. So Jesus comes and he says, there's a new country here. The one I gave you in Genesis that you rejected. And in this new country, he was healing every disease and every affliction among the people, bringing the culture of the kingdom of God. Now, here's the idea. I told you, I'm not going to be a shicey business deal. Here's the idea. The idea that I'm asking you to accept is not just that Jesus came. It's not just that Jesus died. It's not just that he was three days in the ground and he was raised again. By the way, that is the most important event in all of human history. Hands down. It is the most important event in all of human history. And anybody that tries to tell you otherwise, Paul calls those people anti-Christo, anti-Christ. They are standing against the truth of all the things that Jesus did so that we can be reconnected or reconciled back to God. Everything that I'm saying does not discount that event. It adds to its importance. See, it's, it's one thing to know what somebody did. It's another thing for them to tell you why they did it. And in that why, there's so much power. Jesus came proclaiming the culture of the kingdom of God. And Jesus says that this kingdom was going to change every aspect of how we use our lives, how we live our lives. And in the same way that when we go to China or Africa or Italy, they have a language that they use. Guess what? In our kingdom, there's a way we talk. And it's not a matter of heaven or hell. We do things in our kingdom. I have people attack me on my beliefs all the time. And it doesn't matter to me because I'm just like, it's just how we do things in my kingdom. Where I'm from, that's just how we do things. You're an American. That's how y'all do things. I'm cool with that. Just don't claim to be in my kingdom. Because in our kingdom, we don't let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths. In our kingdom... We say things that are helpful and for building others up. In our kingdom, we let our conversations be full of grace and seasoned with salt. In our kingdom, we seek the spirit of the living God to know how to answer every single person. In our kingdom, we realize that everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and we're slow to anger. Why? It's the culture of where we're from. That's an idea. Do you receive it? Do you receive it enough to change how you interact tomorrow? Do you receive it enough to change? Because somebody's going to try us. They're going to push us. And there's going to be times where James says we're going to fall short of that standard. And we're going to confess those sins one to another. But Paul also said, Romans 8.1, we're not going to condemn ourselves. Why? Because we're not checking boxes to make God happy. 
We're learning how to live life in the kingdom of God. Not a thousand years from now, right now on this earth. Why? Because when we live in obedience to the word of the king, we point to the goodness of his kingdom. And other people want to rush in. That same scripture in Deuteronomy, if you would have kept reading, they said, who is your God? The people literally asked, who is your God? We do all this pushing, trying to throw Jesus on it. And the Bible says, if you would just live the way that I've called you to live, you wouldn't even have to push him. They're going to come to you. There was a season where I just danced everywhere and I was just singing everywhere. And it was before I got married, but it wasn't because of her. So don't try. <laughs> it wasn't, I'm still happy. I'm still happy. I promise you. Things are really good. She's awesome. But there would be so many moments where I'd be in a, in a Home Depot dancing and singing and screaming out praise music, and somebody would just tap me on the shoulder and be like, is she that good to you? And they would just assume, they would make an assumption, and it was always tied to something physical. Why? Because in the world's worldview, if I'm going to be that full of joy, it's got to be something here that's sourcing it. But in our kingdom, where we are sourced with joy from the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, peace. When we are sourced with these things from the Spirit of God, we can walk in a way to where people will see us in the worst moments in our life, in the moments where all H-E-double hockey sticks is breaking through, and yet we've got the joy of the King pouring out of us, and it's so different from anything that they've ever seen. They don't know what to do with it. And I've literally had people say, I don't know what you got, but I want it. And then I say, let me tell you about my president. Let me tell you about the king. You just don't know where I'm from. And they're wide open to the gospel. In our kingdom, we think on things that are praiseworthy and notable. We set our minds on things that are above, not on earthly things. We do everything as to the glory of God. Y'all see these principles? How would our lives be different next week if every single one of these things were the framework through that we processed every decision through? In our kingdom, we consume things that are holy and righteous and true. In our kingdom, we're adorned with righteousness. Just think about that. When we saw that picture of that Chinese lady and she had the little thing and her, her garment was so beautiful. Like, have you ever been there? You just see somebody like that and you kind of marvel for a moment? God says that our righteousness should shine like that. He says that our focus should be so much on our outer self that it should be an unfading beauty of a gentle spirit and quiet. And it says that this is of great worth in the sight of God. In our kingdom, in our kingdom, where we're from, clothe yourselves with Christ. In our kingdom, we have different customs. We fast. It doesn't make sense to the world. It doesn't make sense. Why would I let go of food and jump into prayer for something? It's a custom of we do communion. We partake of the Lord's Supper. It's a custom We have baptism as an entry point into our kingdom of God, an outward sign of an inward change. It's a custom. We pray without ceasing. So instead of seeking man's assistance first, we seek God's assistance first. Why? Because we understand the power of our king in our kingdom, in our kingdom. We don't act or respond like they do. 
Why? It's because of where we're from. We're not from here. We celebrate things differently. My family, we don't do anything that was sourced in paganism. I don't care how cultural it is or how happy it makes people. If I go back and I research that the root of it does not glorify God, we just don't partake. God gives me plenty of things in his book if I want to pick something to celebrate that we can celebrate. He get, like, he's got like seven whole feast days that went the whole year and 10 days. Like God knew how to party. It wasn't just this one day. So like, it was like 10 days and we're going to do it big. You know, God knew how to put a smile on our face. And the real cool things about the things that he tells us to do is he says that these things were set up to be a remembrance. So we weren't just doing things. We were doing things that pointed back to something that God had done for us. And it said that the purpose of those is so the things that God did in my life and in Erica's life and in their grandmama's life, that it would point to the future generations, that it would be a constant reminder of all the things that God had done in our lives. Why? Because when you don't experience something and somebody's just telling you about it, or if they don't tell you about it, even worse, you lose the effectiveness of it. Book of Judges has a whole group of people that talks about this. And there was a group of people that grew up and they did not know the Lord, our God. And then it says, or any of the works that he had done. They stopped. They stopped walking in obedience. And it all had an effect. So what's the big idea? The big idea that I want you to accept today is that the good news that Jesus brought is that Jesus was proclaiming and bringing a system of government that can change everything about how we live our lives today. And that we can't focus so much on eternity that we forget that we have neighbors and friends and gas station clerks, and they are looking for us to represent the word of God in such a way and in such a fashion that it makes them want to come and to submit to our king. Paul said, our citizenship is in Africa. No, our citizenship is in Italy. United States? Russia? He said, definitely not. (laughs) Our citizenship is in heaven. I was in the Nehemiah coffee shop one day, and... um, I'm sitting there, and this guy walks in. I'm upstairs, and this guy walks in, and he looks something like that. And it kind of, like, made me stop for a second because, I mean, it's very different, you know? Got, like, a kind of like the dress thing going, but I knew it was cultural, so I was kind of fixated and fascinated. I couldn't really focus on what I was doing, so all of a sudden, I'm, I'm just focusing on him. I'm watching the way that he moves, and he moves, like, so gentle, like, all of his movements, it was kind of like crouching tiger, hidden dragon-like, but not really. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't have been surprised if he like backflipped up on the banister, grabbed his coffee, flipped it, and didn't spill a drop. Like it wouldn't have shocked me. But he was—it was so graceful and just different from like what I'm used to. His attire was different, so I midway stalker moved my seat over closer to him so I could just try and now I'm listening to him talk and the language is different so I have no idea what he's saying but I'm intrigued and I'm curious and I want to know 
And I'm seeing just like this respect, like they bring him his drink and like he's bowing like that. And I'm like, whoa, you just bow to the waitress. That was real cool. Like I never see that before. Like who bows and curtsies to a waitress because they brought you a little drink. Everything about him was very easy to discern that he was not from here. And he didn't even have to say a word. That's the power of the witness of being from a different kingdom. And then I wonder, can people tell that we're citizens of the kingdom of God? Like when they walk into a coffee shop and they see us, when we interact with them on a day-to-day basis at work, when we're driving by them and they might cut us off, do we respond like citizens? When they hear the words that we use, does it sound like a citizen of God's kingdom? You know, if you have to start off with, excuse my French, you probably should just stop. It's not French, it's unkingdom language. Right? And then I ask myself personally, Lord, in what areas of my life do I need growth in living under the kingdom? rule now. None of us in this room are perfect. Matter of fact, the Greek word used for perfect, maybe I'll teach you on it one day, the Greek word used for perfect means teleos, and the word actually just means to grow a full maturity. It's so encouraging that God's definition of perfect doesn't mean without flaw. It means that pursuing perfection means we're pursuing what Christ modeled, and that's spiritual maturity. And in order to do that, we have to take inventories. We have to look at the things that agitate us. I have to look at how I respond to my spouse. I have to surround myself with biblical accountability. I have to do things differently because in our kingdom, these are things that God has put in place to help us to grow into biblical maturity by allowing Jesus to have rule and reign over our complete and total lives now. And that begins by exchanging our ideas or his idea. And as soon as you put that into place, you will change in such a radical fashion, they'll be kicking down the doors to get into the kingdom of God. So, as the band comes up, as the band comes up, Maybe I need to do something. Oh, nope, that's not it. Nope, don't do it. Oh, don't play it. Oh, man, I swear I need some more batteries. Can you just go back to that very last slide that I have? There's two groups of people. Some of them are, uh, some of them are here. Some of them are, you guys are going to be on the internet. So historically, when we've given the gospel, we've given a one-sided gospel. So in Romans 10, 9, I literally will, when somebody gets to the end of a service and they're about to, to give like their gospel account, I kind of lean in because what I see happen over and over again is, is they really quote a scripture, but they quote only the last half. And if you, if you don't know it, then you won't realize that it's not that they're giving you something bad. They're just giving you something incomplete. And sometimes an incomplete thing can be just as dangerous as a bad thing because of what it leaves out. Make sense? 
Like I'm giving you a GPS to get to somebody's destinations and I leave off the last four stops. Like that's a problem, <laughs> right? And I'm sure that you might be able to figure it out, but just think about all the extra headache and all the extra strife and all the extra pain. But if I would have just given you all the steps, seamless transition, all I have to do is be obedient. So Jesus came and he says that this was the gospel. And Paul wrapped it up like this in Romans 10, 9. He says that if we can confess that Jesus is our Lord, and he put lordship first, which is, I'm so happy that he did this. Uh, my children at the center will tell you, we call it the big L. He's the leader of my life. He's the master of my decisions. He owns me. He's the one who determines what good is and what evil is because he's the king of the kingdom. And the very first thing that God invites us to is to let go of our free will because we trust his way of doing life more. That would eliminate 90% of the arguments that we have amongst each other. It takes care of me and my wife. I'm so serious. If she comes to me and shows me that the word of God, that my behaviors are not in alignment with it because of lordship, I change. It's not, there's no arguments, there's no, he's my Lord. He determines, he leads. I've given it to him, there's no taking it back. With my children, rain has corrected me at times. And if it aligns with the book, I have to say, son, I'm sorry. My Lord expects more out of me. Can you forgive me? So the first thing that he says is he says, let me be Lord. Trust me to lead. And then he says, and we believe. And we believe that he died, that he was in the ground, and that he was raised again. We believe that he is not just some man that came here, but he was the son of God. And he had the power to get up from that grave and he conquered death, hell, the grave. He conquered sin. He conquered everything that keeps us from being reconciled to the living God. And he nailed it on that cross so that we don't have to worry about it anymore. And so instead of trying to check boxes for the rest of our life to be good enough, just submit to his lordship and we allow the spirit of God to transform us into something that we never thought that we could become and all of that together is the gospel so I encourage you today if you've never made him lord if you were only trying to just get out of hell talk to one of us uh, because it's one of the greatest decisions that you can ever make to give the leading of your life, the content of your character, and the direction that your heart's going to lean for every moment after into Jesus Christ's hands. Amen? We're going to worship one more song. Uh, and, and I really want us to... I want everybody screaming. Uh, one of the psalms that I love, uh, Psalms 28... It says, praise the Lord, for he has heard my cry. The Lord is my strength and my shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me, and my heart is filled with joy. And then here's my favorite part. He says, when I look at all of those things, I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. 
anybody have anything that you can be thankful for today? God woke us up this morning. We've got 10 fingers, 10 toes. Some of us are living in one of the most expensive communities in the whole DFW Metroplex. We came in here with, 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 with life and, and health and, and the prosperity of healthy friendships and wives and family. Like we have a lot to be grateful for. When we worship, it's not about the person to the left or the right. It's not about the quality of our voice. It's not about if somebody else is hearing me. What we're doing is we are singing out of adoration and praise to the King who has done everything to restore us to Him and His kingdom for forever. And as we transition into this song, if God has been good to you, if you can see the evidence of His goodness all over your life, I want to encourage you to sing this last song in a way to where other people would be able to see it and to know there's something different about you. Amen.